All right, so normally we do y'all ticks from a bar. Mm-hmm. We're in the breakfast nook at the Fairfield Inn and Suites in Altoona, yeah, and Iowa. We, and we usually do this with a beer, and this time we have cups of water, an orange, and a uh, and a banana. And a, a beef jerky over here. It's been that kind of night. It's been a hell of a night. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Uh, so we have been up with candidates in Iowa. Uh, you were with Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. I was with Joe Biden. Um, and we all left. Everyone left not knowing who won. It was nuts. Now, here's the thing. As you listen to this, Iowa doesn't matter now. The news cycle has moved on. So the, the results do matter, but in a way they kind of don't because everybody's don't already looking at New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, Super Tuesday. The New Hampshire primary is a week from Tuesday. It's February the 11th. Whoever you know would have officially won Iowa normally could fundraise off that. Mm-hmm. They've moved on. All the candidates have moved on. And in Des Moines on Monday night... Every single candidate gave a victory speech. <laughs> well, because they could. It was genius. Well, because they're all tied at zero when they gave the speeches. Everyone came out a winner. You know, the thing is, is that you're right, though. It prevents whoever really did win from being able to make some hay there and, and raise some money. It deprived them of the headlines. I mean, you know, they were saying on the cable news channels, the newspapers are going to sleep now. Like, you, you don't get that headline boost the next day. You don't get that momentum boost. Before you know it, you're going to be drowned out by the State of the Union. Right after that, you're going to have the impeachment vote. Right after that, it's going to be time for New Hampshire. So And, it's then, like, South, and then South Carolina and Nevada. Iowa, I, I tweeted out uh, at the Biden event, Does Iowa? did Iowa really matter? It's like, did it even happen? Did it happen? These candidates have spent millions of dollars here. They have spent months here trying to, you know, leave here with their blue ribbon and go on. And, and look at this. The, the party can't even tell them who won. So no one gets a ribbon. It's uh, No one gets that blue ribbon. You know what? The, the, the Democratic Party in this state royally screwed this up the the reporting system they used the app the app did not work correctly there were inconsistencies jason can you see that coming from like 10 miles away that when somebody said we're going to do it with an app and, and right away i thought uh-oh well not only they're going to do it with the app the redundant system failed as well as well so then they had people uh, these caucus chairmen of the 1700 caucus sites using their phones calling it in it, the lines were jammed. It was a complete mess in Des Moines. And I know Texas is a totally different animal, but you know that every single state that comes next, and you know we're a month away in Texas, you know every state that's coming next is looking over their systems right now going, okay, uh, we can't have that happen or anything near or it or like it. Yeah, and, and the, the Democratic Party bit off, I think, more than it could chew here. So it was doing a couple of things different this year than it, it had not done. Not only was it using the app and, and another redundant system as well, too, it was also reporting the numbers differently so it was going to give release three sets of numbers an early set of numbers called the first alignment how everyone lines up behind their candidates the second set of numbers which is the final alignment which has narrowed uh, the candidates down and then the final numbers which are you know who gets the delegates and how many delegates this is a lot like the the national election when you have the popular vote and the electoral college and we've seen 
how that can go sideways in in some cases when it doesn't necessarily line up with the same person and that could very well happen here as well when we eventually get the results maybe they've come in by the time this hits i don't know you may remember too you know this is not iowa's first time of screwing this up and it's not the democratic party uh you know alone that has screwed this up in 2012 the republicans were here and it Mm -hmm. was mitt romney and rick santorum mitt romney won by like eight votes in 2012 uh rick santorum was slightly behind him but was seen as you know a second place finish was huge for him mm-hmm. fast forward two weeks and the gop and i was oh we made a mistake actually rick santorum was the winner you know what no one cared yeah by then i mean they everybody- already they'd already passed new hampshire at that point they were barreling in on south carolina and Super Tuesday wasn't far away. And already nobody's returning your fundraising emails because they didn't think you were first. They, they didn't think that. So, they're, they're, you know, the candidates who did well were robbed. The candidates who, you know, may not have done well in Iowa, perhaps Joe Biden. We don't know. But the early results show that Joe Biden was fifth place with two percent of the results coming in. Now, it could have turned around and Biden could have performed a lot better, but the early results were not good for his campaign. Well, all night I've been thinking that because you were attached to his campaign this evening. All night I've been thinking, I bet Joe Biden is like, you know what, guys, take your time with that app. Let's make sure to count and double count because the the initials didn't look good. And we already saw the Biden campaign spinning this in a sense. An attorney for the Biden campaign had sent a letter to the Iowa Democratic Party saying, hey, if you guys can't figure this out, the attorneys are involved. This calls into question the integrity of all the results. Not good. Now, it it may indeed, but at the very least, that's at least very good spin. And I know we're going to talk about this in just a moment with somebody who's a brilliant mind on these things, but you know who's sitting on the sideline watching all of this play out and just maybe grinning a little bit because of what it could mean for him. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mike Bloomberg. President Trump is clearly grinning. He, well, had, a, he had a good time on Twitter yeah, uh, with this. But Mike Bloomberg may be the clear winner here tonight. Amy be. Klobuchar came out first, mm-hmm. and she was the, the, the first to speak about this when everyone else was, you know, hunkered down waiting for phone calls from the, the party. Klobuchar was, her people were brilliant to put her on first. They were. She gave a victory speech. We don't know how she did. She may have done fourth. That's how she was, at least in the early numbers. But everybody was hungry to hear something from somebody because we were all in right. radio silence. Like, it was like you're trying to buy time, you know, when somebody's come over to your house and they're expecting dinner and you just put the roast in the oven and all night it was like, how much longer before we get results already? They were brilliant to stick around out there because everybody was waiting for somebody to say something uh, absolutely I, I thought I thought that was brilliant uh, for, for her to clearly do that let me ask you this uh, you, you've you've been here before uh, I've never been to the Iowa caucuses before this time and I will say I have been thoroughly impressed and I know that we all talk about shouldn't another state maybe have a chance to go first maybe it should be Texas because it's more diverse um, I'll tell you what you meet enough people here in Iowa and you go, you know what? You should go first. You should go first because I have lived in a good number of states. I've visited a lot of states. I've never seen people so into the process of electing somebody. These people eat it and breathe it and drink it and live it. They love this stuff. And they've done a great job with it for so a long time. That sets up my question to you because you've done this before and you've seen you know, boondoggles before with this. Does democracy win on a night like this? 
I don't know if the caucus process wins on a night like this. But there, democracy, though, yeah. these people all voted, and we don't know. It's a terrific question. I think it's one political scientist will be asking as well. This is a stain on not only the process, the caucus process, it's a stain on Iowa. Mm-hmm. Iowa does this, you know, every four years. The Iowa economy makes millions of dollars off this. It, it's huge. And, and for the Democratic Party in this state, this is not a partisan comment, but for the Democratic Party in the state to fail like it did tonight, for it to fail like it did tonight, is is embarrassing mm-hmm. and even when we were at the biden campaign i don't know if it happened to you but when we we're on the press riser people were talking about hey you're at the last iowa caucus what's it like mm-hmm. what's it like and now you know i dismissed it but as we we're setting up the equipment for the podcast we're, we're watching some of the local television coverage here mm-hmm. they're talking about the same thing uh, it, asking that question is this the last iowa caucus it's a serious question and you know after what happened tonight you can you know you can understand some arguments that people are making I, i'll also say that you're already also hearing conspiracy theories ah yeah of course there's something wrong with the app of course they need to recount those votes who are they trying to keep out or this or that so we're going to see all of that spinning up now too no matter how this goes now in the days ahead somebody is going to think that something untoward went on here no question so this podcast is going to be a scotch longer than most of our podcasts i don't know how to spell scotch but i enjoy it we, we don't use it enough anymore uh, it's a Tennessee word, I think. It's the that, second time I've heard it today, which is, is really, really weird. Yeah, Maybe the Iowans enjoy it as well. So this podcast is going to be a little longer than most of our podcasts. Um, we found something pretty cool here we're going to uh, uh, introduce you to in a few minutes. But first, I, I think we should bring in one of the – a guy that I think is one of the most brilliant political minds out there. His name is Rick Klein. Mm-hmm. He is the political director for ABC News. And we sat down and had a beer with him about – where this goes from here. All right, we're at the Hessen House in downtown Des Moines. The Hessen House, it's H-E-S-S-E-N, but house is H-A-U-S. German joint. German. This place is fantastic. It is. And we have an excellent guest with us. This is uh, Rick Klein. He is the political director for ABC News. He is a former uh, journalist with the Boston Globe and... And he's a podcaster, too. Co-host, listen to that. This is real. This is a real bar. I think we're supposed to yell "opa." Can you hear that? Prost. This is a German place. Prost. Prost. Um, So Rick Klein is the political director for ABC News. He and uh, Jonathan Carl co-host Powerhouse Politics. Uh, Rick is on what GMA World News Tonight. We see you all the time. I was on a conference call with you the other day. Before ABC News, he was with the Boston Globe, and before that, the Dallas Morning News. That's right, the DMNs. How I got my journalism start. Is it really? Yeah, so it, was little, first, it was my first job out of college. I got a local guy and, here. And, and stuck around. Lived in Uptown. I, I love nice. that. Nice. And That's met awesome. my wife. She's from Plano. So really? I, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. Well, hey, man, we, we really lucked out with some Texas angle here. Three Texas guys sitting here in Iowa. Sitting in Iowa drinking a beer. Yes, yeah. we are. We're yeah. not having the boot, though. Sounds, yeah, all right. <laughs> Um, so I am having, uh, we're at a German place, but I'm having the Exile Ruthie. It's the only local beer they have on the on the menu here. What'd and you get, Rick? I don't know. Whatever you have you the same thing. To. <laughs> you, you have the same thing I have. It's beer, right? It's, You're right. And you have to have a beer considering what we're talking about here. There's just You do. There's a million campaigns going on. It's, it's, uh, it's a fascinating time here. But let, let's start off talking about, um, you know, everyone's, 
advancing on from Iowa. Yeah. Why is Iowa even first? It it's is. not reflective of the rest of the country. I mean, Texas is reflective of the rest of the country, but it takes a lot of money to run in Texas. And, but, uh, and unfortunately for the Democrats, it takes a lot of money to run in Iowa these days because you have to do so much. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of Democrats who ask that question. They ask it every four years. Somehow it sticks around. It's really a tradition. And it started out as kind of a, a very low-profile affair around the middle of the last century. Uh, Jimmy Carter um, had the kind of breakthrough moment, which mm -hmm. is you can get a lot done on the ground. And because it goes so early in these caucuses, which were very sleepy, kind of like living room events, that where people would just say, hey, what's your presidential preference? Uh, Carter was the first to realize that's a way to make a name for yourself. And because he came, the national press came. And because the national press came, other candidates uh, have come. And so since the 70s, it's been the kickoff. And it mm -hmm. has been a launching pad for candidates. Um, it's also been a burial ground for a lot of candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I'm sure you guys get the, the point of this, talking to Iowans. People take it seriously. So a lot of the uh, a lot of the interest in it becomes around the fact that everyone's here, and it's a self uh, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Here's the thing, though, Rick, is that people on both sides will will cite one thing. They'll say, uh, you know, people who say, well, Iowa should go first. Iowa has chosen the Democratic the person who becomes the Democratic nominee every time since the year 2000. People on the other side of the argument will say, yes, Iowa has chosen the person who became the Democratic n nominee every time since 2000 because only one of those candidates actually won the presidency, and that would be Obama twice. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific point. And look, I, I think ultimately you only win uh, the nomination if you win the uh, enough delegates to, to win it. And there's only right. 41 of them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Texas got a couple hundred. See, mm -hmm. Texas, Texas on Super Tuesday is going to be a far bigger deal. But because it's first, it winnows. And even though, it, as you point out, Jason, that so many of these candidates are marching out of Iowa, it's already ended the candidacy of people like Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke and Julian Castro, a couple of Texans. The reason it did is they didn't catch on. And if you don't mm -hmm. catch on, you don't get money, you don't show up in the polls, uh, it ends up weeding out the, the field, maybe prematurely. A lot of Democrats are asking now, wait a second, what did we do with all these bright rising stars that we had? We killed them off in Iowa, right. uh, which isn't representative the country. Uh, and we made everyone spend a whole lot of time and money and resources in a state that, frankly, is not going to be on the map. Texas has a better shot of flipping blue, I think most people would tell you, in this next election than Iowa does. Hmm. Wow. Really. What's your prediction on that, man? Uh, of the of, of the blue, blue uh, of Texas? Texas? Yeah. I think it's going to be in play. It actually depends a lot on the nominee. And that, you think so? I, oh, yeah, I do. I, I, think, I think there will be... Look, people know the demographics. Eventually, Texas is a battleground state, a swing state. Uh, eventually, if the current demographic trend and political trends hold true, it's going to be a blue state. It just has to be. That's just that's just a, unless the parties switch a lot of what they do. I think by mid-century, we're talking about that. The question is how quickly it happens. And I think there, there's a there's a case to be made for some of the more progressive candidates, like a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, to expand the electorate to really energize and engage people, particularly maybe with a uh, a candidate of color or a Latino ca uh, candidate. You can imagine uh, some significant turnout around that. Mm -hmm. um, Joe Biden makes a different case. You know, the, the establishment Democrats make a different case. And of course, Michael Bloomberg is already spending a lot of money in the state with the, the goal of turning Texas blue. They, look, Democrats realize if you can make Texas into a blue state, you've changed the electoral map. Mm -hmm. It's just too big to, to ignore. What do you make of this, though? We had the, the Texas Lyceum poll not long ago, and people were asked to name a Democrat that they would like to see. And uh, Joe Biden was at the top of the list there. Then they were asked separately if we had the election and it's Donald Trump versus blank. Yeah. Uh, who would win? And Bernie Sanders actually did better than Joe Biden. And this is among Texas voters. And so this is fascinating because there's a there's a, a lot of establishment Democrats who will say Bernie Sanders is a disaster for the party. He's going to he's going to consign us to uh, to the minority forever. He'll lose us all these House seats in addition to everything else. But 
he energizes a segment of the party, including younger voters, including voters of color. Uh, look, this is a guy who's almost an 80-year-old white socialist from Vermont, Democratic mm-hmm. socialist, Jewish guy from Vermont. And somehow he has tapped into this unbelievable enthusiasm among young voters in this country. Uh, you know, if, look, if Hillary Clinton could have had uh, any of that, she'd be president mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden would be the nom- on his way to the nomination if he could energize young voters the way Bernie Sanders is right now. So it is a real thing. And and there's, there's a raging argument inside the Democratic Party that's going to live beyond this primary season about how do you actually win an election? Do you do it by appealing to middle-of-the-road, blue-collar, mainly white voters that uh, may have gone for Obama before then went went to Trump? That's kind of the Biden case. Or do you do it by expanding the electorate and bringing in younger voters and voters of color and boosting turnout along that side? Uh, Will those same voters get off get off their tushes on election day in, in the fall to, to vote for Joe Biden like they would of Bernie Sanders? I don't know that to be the case. I mean, mm. you hear that kind of coursing through the concerns that uh, a lot of this uh, more progressive wing of the party has about Joe Biden is that he represents the old style of politics. I think Iowa had something like one out of every six counties in the country that flipped yeah. between Obama and Trump. How valuable is that data to see if somebody, you know, can run away with it in some of these counties that maybe they can pull some of those voters who sit on the fence? It's a great point. I mean, Iowa, in a lot of ways, is America. In a lot of ways, it isn't America, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't reflect the diversity of America these days, but it is very middle America in the sense that it has urban hubs with big, vibrant uh, growing communities. It has suburbs forever and lots of rural areas. So it has a lot of all those things. And I'll tell you, look, this is my fifth caucuses, guys. And uh, and uh, every you know, the first time I came out here, I'd never even been to Iowa before, right? And I'm thinking, like, why do these guys get to pick a president? I came away sort of inspired by the process because mm-hmm. the people I talked to took it so seriously. It is they raw to democracy, too. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. It's, and, it, it's, yeah. and, and people just want to meet the candidates and test them out and ask them questions and have them in their living room. And there's an old saying that, you know, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I've only met him twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, <laughs> I haven't heard that saying it's not that old yeah that's good uh, and uh and i think that people take it seriously and it, and, it, and again that that creates the loop that creates the interest in iowa and yes there are you know 30 something counties that uh that, that flipped like that and were mm-hmm. you know they, they went obama and went trump and that's how you win an election um but you know the, there are legitimate critiques out there about why tens of millions of dollars get dumped into here every four years right since we've been sitting in the bar here at the hessen house in downtown des moines we have had probably four or five people come over all of them are Trump supporters. I don't know if that says something about this German bar or if that's indicative of, of uh, the folks who live here in Iowa. Are Democrats going to have trouble taking this from Trump? He won this four years ago. Yeah, he did. I mean, Des Moines is actually a more liberal pocket. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, you know more like the Austin of, of Texas. You so. can't tell at the Hessen House this I, afternoon. Right. Seriously, the but, you know, I think similar to Austin, you'll see a lot of, you know, a, a lot of MAGA hats around around Austin yeah. as well. So I, I, I don't think... I think the problems that, that Democrats have here run far beyond, you know, the, the city of Des Moines. Um, but it's going to be a problem. And I think Democrats have to recognize that they're right now not a national party. Uh, and and they're, they're a regional party. And you can win as a regional party. I mean, the Republicans are kind of the same. But there are big pockets of the country where Democrats are having a very hard time winning re-election. We remember in this state Tom Harkin as the longtime liberal U.S. senator. You know, he gets replaced by Joni Ernst who has become a conservative firebrand in the Senate. And so you have those two Republican senators. 
senators. And so this state has moved into the red column, even as states like Texas have moved toward purple. Let me ask you this. With these top tier candidates in the Democratic field right now, just sort of clustered at the top together like this, how long can this continue to go on? Because they're going to be facing an opponent, whoever the eventual nominee is, who has some really deep pockets. He's just he's putting money away. And then they've got Michael Bloomberg also sitting out there spending his money. How long can they keep up with this fight against each other before being able to finally turn their attention to these other guys? Yeah, the pressure becomes intense on a campaign if you're not winning. And uh, your money dries up. um, Your friends stop returning your phone calls. (laughs) You know, Uh it's harder to attract a crowd. And frankly, you're going to get a lot of questions from reporters, like basically why you're still in the race. Uh, so it, 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 it all, this, this process, the primary process plays out for such a long time, right? It starts like years ago. Mm-hmm. But once you get into it, it actually isn't that long. So this first month, this month of February is the four early contests. Super Tuesday is right after that, as you guys four know. Four weeks away, Four man. weeks away. Yeah. So uh, after Super Tuesday, 40% of the delegates are awarded. And between March and April, the end of April, 90% of the available delegates are awarded. So things are going to, it's really February, March, April, three yeah. months of intensity. If at the end of April, there is not a, nom- a, a clear nominee. We're probably going into a contested convention, right? Uh, wow. Which is which know, is their nightmare. Which is their night. It hasn't happened since I think 1952 that it has been more than one ballot at a, at a Democratic convention. Um, look, political reporters like us dream of that scenario. Uh, right. It, how much fun that would be. <laughs> but yes, the idea of, of fighting this out all the way into July in Milwaukee. It's not just that it takes that long to get a nominee, but people are going to be angry. Someone's going to win and someone's going to lose, and there's going to be a lot of people that go to Milwaukee as in a contested convention scenario, disappointed by when they leave. A good number of people in the party worried about Bernie Sanders and the momentum that he has and what that could mean going forward. Some people say he's just uh, not electable. Some people in the party say there's just no way. Talk about what this could do, the push and the pull in the party here. Well, I think for the, for the Democratic Party, you know, Bernie Sanders has been around a while now, right? People saw that what, what happened four years ago. But because Hillary Clinton, she, she got a very tough, uh, tough challenge from Bernie Sanders, but because she was never really in danger of losing, she never unloaded on him. Yeah. So there really wasn't a full litigation of who Bernie Sanders was and what he's done through right. his years in Vermont as a, as a mayor uh, and as a, as a congressman and as a senator. Uh, a lot of that is going to start to come out, and it's going to come out in the context of, do we want this guy? Are we scared of it? And there are a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, guys, and I'm sure you've talked to some in Texas and beyond, friends, relatives, Facebook friends, whatever, who think that the last nomination was stolen by Hillary Clinton and the Democratic insiders. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton got a lot more votes, okay? She won fair and square. But there's a perception out there mm-hmm. that somehow the insiders took it. Imagine the scenario when they actually do it this time, if they actually do it this time. I mean, that's a nightmare. That is a meltdown for Democrats. And I think I think, uh, I think, these next couple of weeks, if Bernie gets ahead of steam, you're going to see a lot of Democrats sounding every alarm they know about what they can do about the fact that the party's about to send this self-described Democratic Socialist to the nomination. What can they do? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, you, could, you could try to nominate another candidate. I mean, you know, you this could, late you in the process. Well, it's hard because they're, th- that's why Bloomberg looks so good. Bloomberg is the break glass scenario looks very good. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, Bl- Bloomberg be, is a break glass scenario. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, that, he is, he, but that's a good. That, that, I, that's why he's on the ballot in all those places. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a lot harder. You, a lot of filing deadlines have passed. So winning it that way, the ultimate fail safe is at the convention itself. So uh, the Democrats actually changed the rules a little bit. There's these thing called super delegates who mm-hmm. are, you know, unelected. Four years ago, they changed these. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. they, they a lot of controversy they, there. Exactly. They get, they get automatic votes. They're, they're members of Congress. Uh, they are governors, uh, and governors, the, former, yeah. you know, former. Actually, uh, I was interesting. Joe Biden's a superdelegate <laughs> as a former vice president. So is Bernie Sanders as a senator. They're actually superdelegates themselves. So 
So he can commit to himself. He can commit to himself. We know where that's going. <laughs> if so, you can't commit to yourself, then you're in trouble. So they took away the power of superdelegates on the first ballot uh, this time as a reform. So if if this uh, if someone clinches with um, an outright majority, superdelegates stay on the sidelines. But if it goes to a second ballot or beyond, third ballot, fourth ballot at that contested convention, they can vote. And they can vote for someone that isn't the person that has the delegate lead. That's, mm. the, that's what they're uh. there to do. So it's possible that you know, Bernie Sanders gets into the convention with a, a lead of you know, 5, 50, 100 delegates, but these elected party leaders who are there not as a as pledge to anyone can just decide, you know what, we're going to swing this thing right now to Joe Biden. Wow. Mm. Can, imagine you, imagine, that? can yeah. you imagine that? That would be incredible. Well, again, that's what de- a lot of Bernie Sanders thinks, yeah. uh, supporters think happened last time, right. and it didn't. And, and, then, so, and then try keeping those supporters if right. that happens. Uh, Rick, I want to ask you this because you've been here so many times. Jason, you've been here a couple of times. This is my first time to Iowa. Welcome, yes. <laughs> every campaign is different. Every campaign seems crazy. Every, every election year seems nuts. How has this one felt different to you? Because you've been here enough times to be able to, you know, kind of pull out something and glean something. It's different on a few levels. One is just the, um, you know, the mammoth amount of money and, and organization that, that's put into it has it's ex, it's increased exponentially. Even you know, since I've started coming here in two thousand three to two thousand four, it's just a, it's another scale of mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. It's just a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way it's different is, you know, we're in the era of Donald Trump. And news travels at a different pace, uh, and the way that, um, that that information is is carried is different. And partly it's a function of technology and kind of our hyped up news environment. Uh, but candidates are are acting and reacting. You know, when I first started coming here, you know, to the 2004 cycle, the 2008 cycle. They were pretty intimate gatherings. Often, I'd show up in the van. I'd be maybe the only reporter there. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and guess what? Everyone in that room's got Twitter or a way to get it out. So you know, if something gets said, it rockets around the world very quickly. And it, we're all moving faster than we can think in, in in that environment. I think you combine the Trump effect of kind of pouring gasoline over the fire of politics mm-hmm. with the fact that there's this you know big crowd of Democrats who all have flaws uh, that are all running at the same time. They're, we're going you know we're going into the beginning of this process with a bunch of really strong candidates who have very significant flaws. I mean, the, 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 Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders are in their late 70s. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren is not that much younger than them. A lot of the people that you would have thought were the rising stars of the Democratic Party, people like Senator Harris, people like uh, former Secretary Castro, people like Betsy O'Rourke, Cory Booker, these are people that we've talked about as presidential contenders for you know years, decade yeah. maybe. Um, you know, in the case of Beto, it's a little more recent, but it's you know he's a rising star. Those are guys in their late 40s, early 50s. That whole group has been cleared out mm-hmm. in favor of, you know, a couple of a couple of younger like Andrew Yang and, uh, and Pete Buttigieg, who are right. late 30s, early 40s. And these guys who are in their 70s. It's but we lost a generation. That's a good point. We did lose a generation. Uh, Other than Amy Klobuchar, yeah. you know, you've kind of hollowed out that, you know, a couple of decades of experience. I mean, the difference between Mayor Pete and and uh, and, and Joe Biden is 40 years. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's a that's a big chunk of time. You could have two Pete's. So <laughs> as as we leave Iowa here, what what are you watching for? As we go to New Hampshire for the primary uh, next Tuesday, and then as we go towards South Carolina and Nevada before we get to Super Tuesday, what are you watching for, Rick? I think the the way the Democratic Party handles uh, the uh, uncertainty in this race is critical here. Uh, we, we know it's going to be uncertain; it always is. I mean, even even in retrospect, when it looks like Obama, you know, broke through in Iowa, people forget. He lost New Hampshire a week later, uh, and right. uh, it was a real battle that lasted all the way through June to, to see that nomination. It was a dogfight every step of the way, and people were worried up until November. Can he win? You know, can he win places like Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania? Well, he turned out he could, but we didn't know that at the time. No, Democrats didn't know that at the time. There were a lot of Democrats freaking out about Barack Hussein Obama, right, right. running for president in Ohio. Talk about breaking the mold. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So a lot of it becomes how the how the party 
deals with it, right? So you're, this Bernie, Bernie Sanders ain't going away. He's, he is a very serious contender. Does the party try to fight it tooth and nail every step of the way? Or if he emerges with a bit ahead of steam, do they come around on it? Uh, there's, an, there's an analogy here to what Trump did to the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm, not, I'm not comparing Bernie to Trump at all. They're, a they, lot of people have, though. I, but I think there's something, though, in the way that they've sort of hijacked the party. Bernie Sanders, right. you know, in his 70s, never actually been a Democrat. Guess what? Donald Trump wasn't a Republican either. Mm-hmm. With this populist message from outside of that establishment, now you can, there's limits to all of it. And, I, you know, I, I get hit all the time for not pointing out that Donald Trump usually or often mis- misstates the facts, right? Like, whatever you want to say about it, there's something similar about that 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 uh, that force. And ultimately, Republicans, they tried what they could do. You guys remember covering this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ted Cruz, Senator Cruz, all the way through the convention, vote your conscience, right? right. He was he was resisting anything he could. They were never Trump super PACs out there. Uh, two weeks before the election, when Access Hollywood happens, they were giving up on him. He wins. Mm-hmm. And what they've decided to do as a party is draft behind that rather than fight it anymore. So the question, if Bernie Sanders gets that head of steam, uh, do Democrats mm. say, you know what? He's not our guy. The older he's not our guy, but this is what our kids are are supporting, and uh, this uh, is this is the way. This is actually a ticket. And I'll tell you, the Sanders people think that's the way in. Is that you should rather don't don't fight it. You know, join it. Mm. Interesting. That's that, that's fascinating. I, I didn't think about that, but that's what happened in the GOP. Yeah, right. and it very well could be. And what sometimes you just can't fight party. it. Uh, I, demographically, you can't. I mean, that, yeah. that's the thing. Is the party is different. It's changing. And the fact that so many young people support Bernie Sanders, they don't support him because of his age or because of you know his profile. It's these policies and these ideas that he has. And he's bringing something different and new to the table. And it's appealing to a lot of people. Yeah. It may be unrealistic. It may be unwise. It may turn off millions of voters. But it's new. And it's, it seems fresh, even if it's coming from a guy that's been around for a really long time. It's a fascinating development. And the younger generation likes him. Hey, uh, Rick Klein, we're going to have you back on uh, Super Tuesday you if, if you can. How about this? Man. How about we come on to your podcast? I love it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do a little switcheroo, a little, yeah. little, little podcast uh, podcast nation switcheroo. Trade I like off, that. Man. Powerhouse like that. Politics. Here. We got ABC Rick loves to do that. Yeah, we have Rick Klein here. He's a co-host of uh, Powerhouse Politics. He is the uh, political director for ABC News. Uh, he met his wife in Plano when he worked at the Dallas Morning News back in the late 90s. So we we're glad we have a Texan on here. Hey, thanks for the insight, man, and cheers to you. Thanks. I hope we do this next one in Dallas in person. Let's that's do it, I, man. That's what Come I say. visit. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, so we just got done talking to uh, one of the smartest political minds, I think, who can give good analysis. Rick Klein is super smart guy. I love that he's a fast talker, too, because you fit a lot in. And his wife's from Plano. He worked at the Dallas Morning News, so he has a huge Texas tie. Yeah, it's great so to have him. We, we got in the car, and we drove out a little uh, a little ways <laughs> west of Des Moines trying to find some real people to talk to, some people who've seen these candidates up close for the past 12 months or so. Tell them where we are, Jason. And we found a bunch of Dallasites. Yeah. We found Dallasites. We're of in, all places. We're in Dallas County, Iowa. This is right next to... <laughs> 690 miles from home, technically, but we're still just right off I-35. Right off I-35. You know what? Yeah. You drive I-35 north, and you go through about five states, and you get here, and you can be in another Dallas County. We're at the uh, Los Trees... Los Trees. Los You've lost the, it already. Uh, you that's leave not Texas. a very good Texan. I know. That's not... <laughs> Los Tres Amigos, Mexican restaurant. And you know what I like about this place? Mm-hmm. Their margaritas come in regular size and... Texas size. Oh, you know that's a real margarita when it's Texas size. This place is legit. But we have Mike Kearns with us, and, and Mike is a, uh, a local guy here. He moved uh, up from Springfield, or over from Springfield, Illinois. Correct. 
uh, a few years back. Thanks for having us over here. You selected the place. You invited us out to Dallas County. Thank you. Have you ever been to Dallas County, Texas? Unfortunately, I have not. Have you you ever been to Texas at all? Unfortunately not. You don't know what you're missing, man. Maybe one of these days I'll get down there. Okay, yeah. so uh, you know, maybe you're going to have to get down there sooner rather than later because I'm looking at you and I see this uh, button, this mm-hmm. sticker on your shirt, and it says Warren. That's correct. And uh, she might need some help down there. She might need I some agree. people to rally the folks in Texas mm-hmm. because you know the recent polls down there uh, don't show her in first or second. Okay. Uh, she's down a little ways. Okay. What do you think about Elizabeth Warren? And, and, and obviously you're supporting her, but how can she win places like Texas? We need to keep the momentum in New Hampshire. Uh, what, is it, what is it that you like about Warren? Why her out of, out of everyone? Did, have you vacillated? Did you think you were going to go for someone else? Early on in the process, yes. I, uh, my first rally was for uh, Gillibrand. Mm-hmm. Really? And I thought, well... She, she looks good, but it came out flat after that. Kamala Harris was another one I went to a rally at. But I really thought she would come out very strong, which, which she did. Mm-hmm. Um, Clearly, you thought this is, you think that this is the year of the woman. I do. Do you really? I, I do believe this is the year of the woman. Well, that being said, though, your first choice was Gillibrand, your second was Kamala Harris. Might they have done better if another more diverse place, perhaps, had gone first? Well, if New York went first, Gillibrand, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe New Hampshire went first. Yes, Gillibrand might have. Um, if California went first, they would like to be first just like Texas would be. Um, so maybe, maybe that solution is Super Tuesday first. I'm curious what you would name as the top three things, three issues, the three biggest issues facing the country, the three most important issues facing the country the right country now. The country in general? Um, well, immigration. It's not a big issue as it is for us, as it is for you in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, we, but we do have, we have a growing Hispanic community here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have good tacos here. You know yes, what? I'll, they t- do. I'll tell you this, Mike. I've been on the ground four or five days here as we start to go back home to Texas. And he's eating about 10 days worth of tacos. <laughs> I, I've maxed my expense account almost every day. I, <laughs> I am impressed at the taco game in this state. It is good. And we're at Los Tres Amigos right now, too. Mm-hmm. Where the salsa is pretty good, and I hear that the Texas-sized margaritas are excellent, too. Yeah. So you, miss, you mentioned immigration. What other two would you put in those top biggest issues that are facing this country right now? Um. The, the, the economy in the long run. What would your third issue be? My third issue would be Pick anything. Um, uh, education. Uh, I'm curious about someone that you don't have a choice of here in, or d- that you didn't have a choice of here in Iowa. No. You, you In Iowa, you didn't have the choice of Mike Bloomberg. Right. He didn't step into the state, didn't campaign here. Uh, if you came down to our Dallas County, mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to look away. Uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to He's sit there TV. for five He's minutes and watch right. TV without seeing him. Right. Yeah. What do you think of Michael Bloomberg? That's an interesting candidate. He's said he was going to run, decided he's not going to run, decided I'm the only one. He sounds like Trump. You know, I, I'm the he sounds one like Trump to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sounds, he's the Democrat Trump, in my opinion. Would you support him? Well, if he's the only candidate to beat Trump, yeah, he, I'd rather have 
my Trump than their Trump. All right. Mike Kern, he is a Dallas County Democrat, not Dallas County, Texas, Dallas County, Iowa. That other Dallas County. Yeah. To the west of Des Moines. Hey, what does Des Moines stand? What does Des Moines mean? I, I didn't take French. Two, there's two different meanings. Really? So, so it, the <laughs> French word is Le Rive Des Moines is the river in the middle. Okay. Uh, middle. Okay. Yeah. In the middle. Okay. Yeah. Between Missouri and Mississippi. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's also an Algonquin uh, story about it. Uh, there Which were is? there were Indians over in the Quad Cities area, the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. and they referred to the Indians over here as some like a similar sounding word, which translated to faces. <laughs> right. Wow, there's a local lore there too. Well, and Jason has a T-shirt that has a third meaning for Des Moines. Yeah, you want to share it, that? It, it's it's French for the Moines. <laughs> the middle. That's yes. what the middle is. What Des Moines means. I'm taking a souvenir home to Texas. Des Moines. Okay, so Des Moines. That's uh, that's where we are. Does Des Moines matter anymore? That's the thesis for this podcast. Does it's a lovely the, place, too. You hate for it to place. be dragged through this process that didn't go so well. What, 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 is, the, what is the line about Des Moines, how they, they, uh, they want you to underestimate it so they can over-deliver? Oh, that's interesting. That's my motto in life, actually. No wonder I like it here. <laughs> Your people are here. <laughs> this is my tribe. So the, the entire caucus, does, does it matter? The news cycle has moved on. People are not talking about the caucus anymore. And I'll tell you this. If if you have Buttigieg or Warren or Biden or Sanders or anybody out knocking on doors in Concord, New Hampshire or Manchester, New Hampshire, and reporters start talking about Des Moines, mm-hmm. what are you going to say? They don't care. Nothing. I'm like, hey, you know what? We worked hard in Des Moines. Regardless of what the, out- the outcome was, we worked hard in Iowa. But I'm focused on the voters in New Hampshire. I'm focused on the voters in South Carolina, the ones in Nevada, and Super Tuesday, the folks in Texas and California, which is a month from Tuesday. It's coming fast. It is coming fast. And uh, Bloomberg's waiting. Bloomberg. With all that money. Maybe Bloomberg won the Iowa caucuses. (laughs) He may have. We'll see how this turns out. But uh, he's ready, I think, to to jump in this thing, and that's going to add a whole new dynamic to it. Now, however you feel about him pouring boatloads of money into a race like this, it's going to happen, and it's going to totally change the dynamic going forward. No question it will. So we leave Iowa. I know what Des Moines now means. I know there is several ways. I like. I still the, like the French translation best. The Moines. The Moines. <laughs> we know the Indian translation from the locals up here. Um, <laughs> we might we want also, to fact check him on that. We, we, yeah, perhaps we should. Um, and we also know there's a Dallas County up here. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if uh, our Dallas County in Texas uh, can can maybe do a little better than they did up here tonight uh, with the with the results coming from the Democratic Party. Yeah, and with that, we uh, close it down and head back down to that Dallas County where there's a chance that we're going to see as much snow on the ground there this week as we see here. Whew, Hate I'm looking, that. I'm not looking forward to that, man. That's why I live in Texas to get away from the snow. All right, so long from Iowa, Jason. It's been a fun ride. It has been a crazy ride. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks for being on the ride with us. 